in some ways you will never look like another person, but uh, you can utilize aspects of somebody's look to like make yourself feel that gender euphoria that you're looking for. Content warnings for this episode include racism, sexism, ageism, homophobia, transmissia, medical discussion of hormones and medications, mental health, physical illness, death, and assault. Jennifer would like to acknowledge the Indigenous peoples and unceded lands that the producers, hosts, and guests have lived and dwelt upon. Today, we honor the Salish, Mohawk, Algonquin, and Anishinaabawaki, uh, Nisqually, and Squaxin. We honor the elders, the human, plant, and animal ancestors of these lands and celebrate the living descendants of these peoples. May all beings tend these lands for the goodness of the next seven generations and beyond. Yeti folks, welcome to Genderful, a talk show interviewing gender diverse people about their special interests. Hi, I'm Gender Master, and my pronouns are they, them. Hi, I'm Miranda Katita, and my pronouns are she, her. The focus of our show is to interview trans, non-binary, agender, two-spirit, and gender-diverse people regarding their special interests, passion projects, and resources for the gender-diverse community. We want our audience to know that we hold multiple diverse identities and bring these lenses to the show with our passion for telling our stories. I identify as non-binary, transmasculine, polyamorous, ADHD, autistic, and disabled, chronic pain, and mobility issues. I also am white and reside in the United States. I identify as trans-feminine, neurodivergent, queer, and a person of color residing in Canada. We invite you to remember that we are whole people with robust lives, friendships, challenges, and successes. We love and are loved, and we are delighted to share these stories with you. As always, we kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of their identities. Your identities can change over time and are valid every step of the way. And if you think you're gender diverse, you are gender diverse. There's no social or medical prerequisite to be included in the community. Welcome to Genderful Podcast, a show interviewing gender diverse people about their special interests. This week, our guest Debbie, they them pronouns, is chatting with us about the art and science of hair and how hair can help with gender affirmation. Uh, Debbie is my real life barber, y'all. So if you've been enjoying how my hair looks, uh, you're welcome. It's all Debbie's fault. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm really excited um, that we finally get to have Debbie on the show and we get to just info dump about trans hair for a while. Yes. Welcome to Genderful, Debbie. Welcome to Genderful. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to have so many questions about hair. (laughs) I love questions. Part of why I got into doing hair is because I had a lot of questions about it mm. and I got super nerdy about the science behind uh, doing hair and how it makes hair work. And mm. so when I was in school, my favorite part of it was learning the science and awesome. everybody else was like, why are you so nerdy? I'm like, well, I think it's going to be helpful eventually. <laughs> Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. science is fun, y'all. It, it is. And it's so yeah. fascinating. There's so many things we don't know about the human body. Mm-hmm. And the things that we do know are constantly changing and morphing. And so it's a, a constant uh, learning experience to be in hair. You can't for sure, stop learning. For sure. Something that I, I, I do. Like, I wanted oh, I to mention something that towards the beginning. Go ahead, Miranda. Oh, yeah, I just something that I've been learning about because, like, you know, for most of my life, I like shaved my head and like didn't have hair, didn't 
didn't think about hair, didn't know anything about hair, didn't care about hair. <laughs> yeah, uh, and now I mean, it's something I care very much about. So, <laughs> hey, me too. I've always cared. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's. I mean, it's different when you don't have any. So, <laughs> I'm just like, well. It's like, I, I literally didn't even shampoo. I would just like take the loofah with the body wash and just rub it over my head. <laughs> oh. <laughs> my feelings. It's like, well, I don't have any hair. Why should I? I get to save money on shampoo. <laughs> you and everybody else in that situation. Like, yeah, yeah. You just doesn't care that much. Like, what is the point? I don't care. It doesn't matter. And yeah. if it doesn't matter to you, it doesn't matter. That's fine. Sure, sure. Um, but I'm always like, ah, ah. but it's yeah, really and it's definitely like something that's like you think about it differently when you identify as a cisgender man versus when you identify as a woman who actually like wants to have hair. So it's just like, like before I didn't care because like whatever, I'm going bald. Who cares? Um, but now it's just like, oh, I wish I took better care of my hair. <laughs> hindsight right <laughs> yeah 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 exactly uh so we do have a couple questions that like we like to ask all of our guests uh the first Great. one is uh what might be the things you can trace back to your youth that indicated you might be gender diverse one day <laughs> oh well um a lot of things I think uh which but, but also a lot of things that did not indicate that at all. Like I did pageants of my own accord. I mm. was a pageant person and um, wanted to be Miss America one day because I was like, that is how you woman. And maybe that is actually an indication of like my gender journey of like, oh, well, if that, if I get that, then I'm definitely like, look at me validated. Uh, like, see, I fooled you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I always liked the things that quote unquote the boys liked I think uh as a kid besides you know of course like wanting to be Miss America I loved riding bikes and playing outside and like hitting things with sticks I I would like you know I was like a adventure kid I would go fishing and um all of that but like internally it was like a big struggle of like confusion and like hmm something isn't quite right here uh and then you know the I was I grew up in a very small town in the middle of nowhere Montana and mm -hmm. there weren't were there weren't really like words there was no language uh for being gender diverse so um I was just like oh well I guess I accept that I am a boy in a girl body um I, I, things just didn't grow right uh and you know there was very little like sex education and all of that so yeah I think um just my attitude towards things um like a do-it-yourself type of person and I I'm kind of like a a little bit well I'm neurodivergent so uh I think there was just so many things that indicated it for me. It's like not one thing specific. Um, and then as I grew up, it was like a matter of, okay, well, now I'm starting to get the language for it, but how do I like show that, perform it? 
um, in gender, uh, because the sex of my body is what it is. And, um, then I, you know, got into doing hair and it was very performative as well. And then, uh, you know, trying to be like feminine, working in salons, doing a bunch of things that I was like, not excited about and not realizing like the conversations that I had with people were like atypical for like a person who worked in a salon. And then I got a degree in gender studies and uh, my, with my focus on uh, human sexuality. So <laughs> it was uh, very eye-opening and that kind of, mm. you know, it was in my early to mid-20s. And so uh, I guess late 20s when I finally graduated. But it was definitely a, a long, long journey for me of like realizing, oh, I can be who I want to be uh it's just gonna look different for me um and it's gonna look in ways of like how I present myself and like how I present my like sexuality and my relationships and things like that so um I definitely get uh she her a lot and that doesn't really bother me anymore it did for a long time but um you know the gender euphoria of like he and they is like I did, you did it <laughs> when somebody's like excuse me sir you know i would cut my hair and things like that really short and i would get excuse me sir a lot and i would turn around they're like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i'm like no 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 that works <laughs> so yeah that's in a nutshell kind of without getting into too much gritty detail what i was kind of about as a kid mm. No, I, I, I love that. It's kind of everyone, whenever we ask this question, it's, it's, we always get uh, some, some very interesting um, responses to it. Because uh, it's, it's really, it's, you figure this stuff out, like, maybe you don't have the words for it, uh, you know, as a kid. I mean, I certainly didn't. Um, but you definitely figure out that you're different, like, very early on. Um, yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like, I don't quite fit in with other people. And there's something going on with me, but I don't quite know what it is. So mm -hmm. it's. But yeah, no, I can definitely, I'm sure everyone who's gender diverse can relate to these stories quite a lot. Yeah. Well, and I think the added element of like autism and ADHD mm -hmm. on top of that, undiagnosed until just a couple of years ago mm. was um, complicating. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't always there's... understand when I was getting made fun of for things and like, mm, I didn't understand yeah. why it was a problem that I had armpit hair and a mustache. I was like, well, don't we all like... <laughs> yeah there's there's a massive intersection between uh gender diverse people and and neurodivergence and uh, yeah yeah it's a very like close cropped venn diagram yeah yeah <laughs> it's like whenever you meet like someone who's like gender diverse who's not on the spectrum it's like i, I didn't think you existed are you masking or <laughs> or are you masking <laughs> Um, oh, I, that mask is so firmly attached. Right. Like, well, I'll just do a little trauma therapy. It'll come off. <laughs> mm hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> uh, those are also very similar as the trauma, trauma, uh, and um, uh, just autism. Like, the. Yeah. 
Yeah. So something Side so effect. something yeah. I've observed whenever yeah. like a bunch of gender diverse people get together, one or both of these things will happen. We'll start talking about trading body parts if there's trans femme and trans mass people in the same room. Yeah. And eventually we'll start trading trauma stories. Oh, 100%. I don't think I've met a single like person that I actually like get along with really well, even just like at work that I haven't shared some form of trauma with on like a back and forth basis. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that stick around the most. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. like bond over our similar traumas from our life experiences. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And like accidentally became the like neurodivergent barber as well as the you know gender neutral barber Mm. (laughs) just because of the intersection so yeah I mean you've definitely found your niche there I mean it's yeah an accidental niche I was just like I want to like serve my community and it turns out my community is like way bigger than I thought (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no that's why I have to schedule with you multiple months in advance just like I gotta get in (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I need to get to the point where like, and I don't want to be this way, but like, sorry, Susette's like, <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> and, My dance uh, card is full. The end of the line. Exactly, the dance yes. card is full. I want the neurodivergent queers. Thank you. The evil plan. It's the gay agenda. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm still waiting to get my gay agenda in the mail. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I could deliver. (laughs) So our second question that we like to ask all of our guests is, how has your relationship to gender evolved over time? Oh, um, excellent question. I think when I was younger, it didn't really like occur to me because all children look very similar. It's like, oh, you're a boy if you have short hair you're a girl if you have long hair and then that line got blurred and then uh it was like okay so hair is not the deciding factor Mm. uh very interesting um but hair can be an indication of gender um absolutely in a lot of ways and then oh gosh over time i think there, there was a while there where i really like dove deep into being really femme because that's what you're supposed to do and like mm-hmm. there was a lot of i think self-esteem problem there you know which you know surprise surprise neurodivergence and self-esteem issues um and i was like well there, there was a lot of looking back of like oh well if i just had that body again i would feel better oh i miss when my like boobs looked a certain way or I miss when I looked like a board or oh I'm not feminine enough because of this thing and then it morphed into but like maybe I want to be more masculine and then not having that body anymore and like moving into you know I have two children uh of my own you know from my own body and how my body changed after that like threw me for a loop because Mm. I was like oh my gosh you know I before I had kids I was like flat chested like rail you know just a board and it was perfect I was like oh this is the body that I've always wanted Mm. this skinny like emo boy (laughs) I was the skinny emo boy of my dreams 
And then uh, having kids changed all of that. And I was like, well, but what, how do I get that back? And then <laughs> realizing maybe I don't need to. And then separating completely my gender identity from my body because it's I just feel like it's your meat suit you know like this is the body that's carrying me through and every individual journey is so different where like some people want their meat suit to like be tailored a specific way and you want to do like specific body mods to get to where you are and that's totally valid and then in my case, I do more body mods in like tattoos and piercings, and that's also valid, but it doesn't change my gender identity and like coming to terms with that. And then I went through like a sober journey um, the past nine months and realizing like, okay, like maybe it's more, I'm okay with myself the way that I am now because I'm healing all the trauma of my past of like being told I had to look a certain way and act a certain way and do specific chores and here's what your life path is supposed to look like and like I think be, the queer experience is like not being like prescribed a certain life path and just saying I'm going to do the things that make me feel good in in my body and of my body and with my body and realizing that my body was just a tool for me um to move through the world and also like the weirdly gender euphoric experience of like being attracted to men but in a gay way <laughs> <laughs> and like being like well lucky for me like cis men who are like hetero generally speaking are attracted to my body and also to my personality which is a lot more masculine in like presentation and having them have to do that like uncomfortable sit down with themselves of like is mm -hmm. it gay am i a little gay <laughs> uh and you know like having that fun like playful experience with partners has been really cool so that it, you know it, it went from like this childlike oh well it doesn't matter to a, it really matters to it i guess it doesn't matter you know mm. like depending on like where you live and how much money you have and the time expense you know i work in a career where i don't have the um paid time off that a lot of people have in their careers so taking time off to get any like gender affirming surgery is such a huge huge expense for me on top of the expense of getting a surgery and mm -hmm. so i'm i've gotten to the point where i'm like okay maybe that's a one day thing like but i don't know that i necessarily have made a decision and i think that's also the adhd <laughs> it's like i you know it's fine every once in a while i think about it but like then the rest of the time it's like i don't know so just realizing everybody's experience is valid whether you look a specific way or not and um that was really where i came full circle was like okay well i don't really have to care as much right now um and that's a privilege for me mm -hmm. you know i know that that's not a lot of people's experience and um that is i can't i can't even imagine what that 
experience is like um as somebody who like thought for a long time that I was like I need to do that to be validated and like I have to look a specific way for people to be like oh yes you are queer <laughs> and now I'm like I can do that with my hair and like my clothing and you know my partner notices you know he will he, he will definitely uh point out he's like hey it's one of those weeks where you're really masculine huh and, and I don't even notice it <laughs> and he does and that is like super affirming for me he's like I think you look really cute when you dress like a boy <laughs> and I love it that's it's adorable cool. I love that yeah <laughs> he's like you just do it so well like it's kind of he's like you you get more silly with your clothing and I love that I'm like oh thanks I feel Aww. like you have really good dad shirts like you have I these do. button My ups that have all these fun mm. fun patterns on them yeah, the boat dad aesthetic. Yes, oh boat dad. <laughs> Hashtag boat dad. <laughs> it's like loafers and like docker type slacks and oh like, like a crazy button up. <laughs> oh yeah, and like it's just wonderful. I, I'm and I'm so like it's definitely the dad aesthetic. Like it's like mm. New Balances and like comfortable, but like okay, you look like you could go out somewhere nice and have like a dinner in your little button-up shirt and stuff yeah it's silly <laughs> i have fun with it fashion is another thing with you know like hair, hair and fashion hand in hand mm -hmm. and totally. like hair is is a part of fashion it's i mean it's part of how you present yourself so absolutely yeah yeah because it's i mean it wasn't that long ago where it was it was frowned upon for men to have uh, long hair. <laughs> so, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, we used to have much more strictly enforced, uh, you know, codes for, you know, how men and women dress and present themselves. Yeah. So, you know, nowadays it's a lot more relaxed, but you can mm -hmm. still like, I mean, the hair that I have now, like, I mean, I've been told is very feminine. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if I was presenting male with hair like this, people were like, what's going on over there <laughs> is that the gay you know like yeah that's just, exactly yeah, yeah. Like, yeah hmm like and just like going back to something you said earlier it's like oh it's like i need to be look a certain way to be perceived as queer well i mean turns out like there's no way to be queer i mean yeah. there's as many ways to look queer as there are queer people if not more so yeah so like um yeah so for anyone like listening to this who's like you know maybe early in their journey it's like you don't have to be a certain way you don't have to look a certain way just mm -hmm. you know be yourself figure out what makes you happy and whatever you choose to do is is valid exactly mm -hmm. well and like learn to love yourself during the process because it can be so hard it can be such a difficult journey of like yeah frustration and you know the <clears throat> the litmus test that my kids have uh created which i think is very interesting and i use on a regular basis and and really like applied to me when i was younger is do i want to date them or do i want to be them mm. and sometimes the answer is yes to both of those things yes but like why are you attracted to that um mm. and what is it about that person or that look that really speaks to you? Mm -hmm. Is it that you wish that you looked like that? Because like in some ways, 
you will never look like another person, but uh, you can utilize aspects of somebody's look to like make yourself feel that gender euphoria that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something I kind of like realized early on in my journey. It's like, oh yeah, I like this person, but I also want to be that person. <laughs> so, yeah. Just like in a general sense, because it's like, you know, I identified as cishet for a long time and it's like, oh, I'm a girl. Oh, I guess that means I'm gay now. All right. <laughs> right yes it's fun to to uh like go into that like pipeline my my kid cracks jokes all the time that they're like most like highest epitome of misogynist because they don't they're like trans mask and also are like gay (laughs) and i'm just a misogynist i hate women so much that i want to not be one and it's like of course a joke but it yeah, yeah. is like it cracks me up of like how people have to like justify and it, you know it's them like calling that culture out of like it's okay you yeah know? It's okay to be I, like, I kind of like I feel I, I and I feel that too with regards to men because like I find like most men are icky to me and but that's also like I'm projecting like my my feelings about myself because like I find my own masculinity icky. yeah so it's just like oh I hate it myself and I hate it in others <laughs> Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that that's a huge aspect. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I think just in general, like if you can be that introspective and be like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, you know, we all know you can't choose your sexuality, like, and the joke I crack. And of course it's all in it with love is like, who would choose to date men? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't get it. Sometimes they're hot, though. Exactly. Every once in a while, every once in a while, I'll be like, I, I'll see a very attractive man. It's like mm, that's a very handsome man. I still don't want to. I still don't want him like to touch me. But I, I, I think he's very handsome. The attractiveness, right? Like, yes. And I feel like that about all people. I'm like, everybody is beautiful. How do I choose? And for a long time, it was polyamorous because of mm. that and. I'm choosing a monogamous relationship uh, with my partner because we've both done a lot of like self-healing and things like that. But like, I was like, I can't choose just one person. There's like billions of people on the planet. That's ridiculous. (laughs) And uh, they're all beautiful. The world is full of beautiful people. And um, I just want to make people feel more beautiful, you know? I, uh-huh. you you can look however you want and it may or may not be my thing but if you feel beautiful that's what I want to do love that well shall we shall we switch topics a bit and dive in on the, the hair chatter yeah I think that's the whole point of me being here huh <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> it's, it's this is great I love I love all of it I love all of it I think it's I think it's important to talk about all those other identity pieces first and it's like oh yeah debbie's like one of us one of us exactly I know. oh yeah and yeah. The, it's the um oh gosh um basically like imposter syndrome right mm. is real sometimes and then i'm like but i'm pretty gay so <laughs> one of us yeah <laughs> Uh, so it's, it, you know, I, I think that's the thing that people don't talk about too, is the imposter syndrome. 
Oh, that's something I'm very well aware of from my time in academia. So, yay. Um, but on to hair. Um, yes. So, how did you uh, become a barber? I love cutting hair. My dad, oh, when I was 10, uh, he came home one day and he's like, it couldn't get any worse than this. He handed me a pair of scissors and a comb and said, cut my hair. And I was like, but I'm 10. And what if I lop your ear off? And he's like, couldn't get any worse than this. It was the worst that could happen. I have to shave my head. My dad, by the way, is the um, completely bald on top, has rocks the horseshoe uh, hair. So, you know, it was just like sides and back type of haircut. But I think the first haircut I ever did on him took me like two hours or something. (laughs) He would just go look in the mirror and uh, be like, Oh, see this right here. You have to go in and you can like look and I, you know, I, I would just go over it and over it and over it. And then eventually I got faster and faster. Then I went to college thinking, oh, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, even though I wanted to do hair, I experienced a lot of like, you know, oh, but that's like, that's not for smart people, you know, from the older folks in my small, small, small minded town. And, you know, I always considered myself, you know, college level, like I could be educated. Great. And I did that for a year. And then I was like, well, I hate this. Um, <laughs> and, like I'm paying all this money to, for what a degree in art, like, what am I going to do with that? I, this is ridiculous. So I dropped out and I got married and I got, had a couple of kids. And then I was like, I want to do hair. I still want to do hair. And I'm tired of working at the taco stand or Walmart or Target or Safeway or whatever, you know, <clears throat> jobs that you can get and that people need. And we need people in those jobs, but they just didn't make me feel good. Mm. So I, uh, looked into the Aveda Institute in Seattle and ended up going to school there. And while there, of course, was told, well, the way that you make money is doing hair color. So I got really good at doing hair color, but it never brought me joy. Um, And it was so tedious and I have no attention span and an undiagnosed ADHD at this point. And I was just so bored out of my mind. And it was a bunch of like sweet human beings, but like, the attitude around a salon environment is one of like insecurity, I think. Like it promotes insecurity. Well, you have to do this and you need this thing for your hair. And this idea that you have to sell people products and like pander to them. At, but I kept like getting clients where I would like create connection and like ended up meeting some of my very best friends uh through doing that and then um I actually when I went to college I got my degree and in 2014 I wanted to get my master's degree and I ended up moving to Seattle uh to try to get my master's degree and getting a job at a sport clips which was the worst thing of all time um it was fast, like turn and burn, 
you know, if you've ever been to a sport clips, it's like a, it, the motto is, it's good to be a guy. And after getting a degree in gender studies, the irony was not lost on me that I was working <laughs> at that place. And well, maybe yeah, explain what that is for our international viewers. Uh, yes. Also me, because I don't know what that is. It is a barber shop style setting of like great clips or hair masters or like oh, okay. All right. a chain salon, but it's like geared towards a what everybody would consider a guy environment it, there's tvs and sports on all the time mm. and everybody's wearing a uniform that's very sporty and it's like all about like giving men an mvp experience and wow. well i it didn't work for me in that it was very formulaic. Like you had to follow a script, like yeah. this is what you do. You have to get people out within like 20 minutes. It just, it it's gave like me an opportunity. Sports bar of the barbershop. Yeah. But not a bar. <laughs> it was just yeah, it's for like men and boys. And yeah. they're very clear about like, but it's for boys, you know, I'm like, ugh, ugh. I was like the person that always had like the really like picky queer, men that would just be like i just need a haircut you know so it's no appointments that type of thing so it's walk-in based mm -hmm. only but it reminded me why i got into doing hair which is i love cutting hair and so after that i ended up teaching um cosmetology and barbering uh, for about a year and it was just in like not the best environment <laughs> i love teaching and i would love to do it again i just didn't want to teach for the people that I was working for and ended up in a barbershop, uh, like a higher end barbershop after that and really loving it, but not loving again, the like hyper masculinization of haircutting. Like, mm -hmm. yes, we do straight razor shaves and we do beard trims and we do haircuts, but it was like a men's haircut and a boy's haircut. And I had a lot of like queer clients. And everybody kept telling me, like, Debbie, like, I would send my friends to you, but I don't think they'd feel comfortable here because there were, like, guns and animal heads, things and like mm. that on the wall, like taxidermy, you know? And mm. I was like, Ugh. And then the pandemic hit, and I just didn't appreciate where I was at anymore and realized that I wanted to work for n not somebody who didn't really, like, believe in that kind of thing. Um, and so I decided to open my own space and, you know, for a long time, I was like, well, what are things that are important to me? And I was like, I love books. Like maybe I'll open like a barbershop that's like also like a bookstore, you know, and, or like mm -hmm. a pub or, you know, something like that. And then I realized what my clients were saying. And I was like, Hmm, I wonder if there's a gender neutral barber shop in Olympia. And there was nothing. And I searched, and I think the closest place that was like LGBTQ, IA2S plus, uh, was Tacoma. And I was like, well, I guess that's it. Like gender neutral barbershop, here we come. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of like fell into place. But that's how I became a barber and ended up where I'm at. So, Well, and I love how you decorated your barbershop, like you have a bunch of queer art everywhere. Yay. <laughs> awesome. 
It's and true. like you're even you're even mindful about how intense the lighting is for like the autistics <laughs> who are like too many lights cannot. Yep. And yeah. it's just one chair in a room. So for those who are worried about like COVID safety, it's like, you know, you're you're very good about, oh hey, like do you want to wear a mask? Whatever. I can ha- cut your hair around a mask, even though, you know, we're now four plus years into this pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, just very accommodating in a lot of ways that like I don't think very many barbers are thinking about all of that stuff. No. Like it's not overstimulating to be in your barbershop, which is mm-hmm. probably the biggest compliment I can give you. <laughs> no, seriously, it is. Like, and you know, all of it was really intentional. I wanted a space that felt safe to a lot of different people who are highly underrepresented. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to have like a one-on-one setting you know and my plan is not to like grow and make a ton of money my plan is like people over profit and take care of people especially people who are marginalized or disabled or you know it they struggle in an environment that's like loud and because I did I struggled in all of that and realizing like how peaceful and how like happy it's made people like having my introverted clients like open up and blossom in the space because it's just the two of us instead of just not being able to talk because they're like overwhelmed and like having lighting that's comfortable and temperature that's comfortable and music that's comfortable is it's been a journey of like exploration of like what else could I innovate like what else could I cater to that isn't normally catered to because you know, neurotypical people don't think the same way. And they don't think about those things. Like I stopped accepting tips because tips are just, tip culture is gross anyway, um, for a lot of reasons, but it's also more accessible for people who are really bad at fast math, like me, or Mm -hmm. for people who can't, like they have a tremor and they can't push the button or, you know, I try to make it as easy as possible for everybody in that environment and you know i do sliding scale at on request you know like okay what can you afford if it's zero dollars it's zero dollars come on in for a haircut i have people who will pay for more than one haircut because they want to cover you so you know like it's it's like it's just a community it's a community like the whole point and like the the reason i named my barbershop the stone and steel barbershop was like a cornerstone of community and strength and like all of that stuff meant something really important to me and like the barbershop like historically has been a a place of community but a community for mostly just men and Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring that community to everybody and be like hey here is where you come and you can talk about how awful your day was or your month or your year or good or what you're struggling with and i'm going to be here and i'm going to listen and i'm going to offer you resources and i'm going to like connect you with people who can help you and it's just been the most fulfilling thing that i've ever done so another thing that i really appreciate about your shop is that you have um, unscented products like i think i showed up and you didn't have them at first so then i was like could we figure it out for later? And then mm-hmm. it took a couple months, but eventually you found uh, a supply for like unscented 
all the products, right? Not just one thing, but I think at the very least shampoo and like hair, hair gel, gooey, oily stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, it's a work in progress because yeah. um, no product company wants to make fragrance-free products for who knows why, but fragrance is actually really unhealthy for you and has been linked to like carcinogenic uh, you know, factors. Um, and I finally found a shampoo and conditioner that's fragrance free, which I, is also really nice. And mm. I have a local distributor who sells product that I can get. I have to special order, but I can get it fragrance free. And I, I have to do larger batches if I want to do like pomades and things like that. But I use the, um, the hair and body oil um for people who are like hey i don't necessarily need like something with hold i just want my hair to feel soft and good and so i, I i'm looking constantly for something as low fragrance as possible or uh fragranced with only essential oils um and i'm really mindful like when people tell me they have allergies i'm like okay like mm, let's not use that on you then <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's in all of these products so I can tailor those things for people, which like not everybody's going to do the legwork for that. And yeah. then yeah. you're just lost in the ether looking for these things yourself and not knowing what to do. And I can do that. So people have easier access because I have more access to like the back end of those things and to be yeah. able to like, ask people for that. Yeah. I love that. Um, I learned something last week that I was really excited to tell you that's related to hair kind of holding. Hey. Um, have you ever heard of like a beeswax mustache wax? Yeah. You can use that in your head hairs to make your mohawk stand up without any fragrance. Yay, beeswax. Beeswax is an excellent thing to use in hair and, and making your own hair products um, to give yourself some hold it's natural it mm -hmm. uh, is not super water soluble but you can wash it out um and it is it has excellent hold which is yeah. lovely like you have to warm it up to get it to smooth out but i love beeswax yeah fantastic it was awesome yay i have a i have a beeswax um hairspray that i use sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah just like it's like i'm going out it's windy if i go out for more than five seconds my hair is gonna be destroyed so i need uh -huh. something with some hold on it <laughs> absolutely yeah oh, finding awesome. the right hold is so hard <laughs> oh yeah because it's like i mean i definitely have been experimenting with like different hair products i'm just like it's like well it's like when i was like a young person it's like oh, it was a gel that i used to use but now it's just like mm, this is not what i'm looking for because this literally turns my hair into cement yeah um, <laughs> absolutely and finding the, sometimes yeah. finding those things is so hard especially if you're on mm. a budget and making your own hair products is actually like a really great way to like mm. meet all the needs of like you know, fragrance and hold and all of that mm -hmm. without breaking the bank because you have those things on supply you can make them as needed so yeah yeah um using things like shea butter um beeswax jojoba oil um grapeseed oil 
Um, you can use avocado oil as like a deep conditioner. Mm -hmm. I tell people to stay away from coconut oil as much as possible because it's comedogenic, which means it's going to clog your pores. Mm -hmm. um, but using those things and like making things yourself, like while it can be difficult for some people, like is a lot more A, cost effective and B, like can sometimes suit your needs a little bit better than purchasing something because you can mm -hmm. add them in different um amounts right like you can put like a couple ounces of beeswax to a couple ounces of you know shea butter and then a couple drops of jojoba oil and like soften it as you need so if mm -hmm. you don't want as much hold you can just add more oil to make it softer or add more shea butter it's great I'm just picturing i'm just picturing like this whole like breaking bad chemistry setup <laughs> basically like you can it's diy but it, it's so easy to not mess up that mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about like an explosion because there's a bunch sure, of chemical yeah. compounds in this now like the downside is usually you have to keep those things either refrigerated or they have a shorter shelf life because they don't have like the citric acid in them that will keep them from going bad but if you use distilled water and a clean container uh, for anything that you're doing then you'd be good mm -hmm. yeah so like i've been uh i've been kind of experimenting with all sorts of different products because mm -hmm. uh, this is something that's actually a great segue into our next question yeah because uh, as i discovered um there are many different types of hair and different you need different products for different hair types so yeah. uh, can you tell us a little bit about the different types of head and body hair that people may have yeah so um you have different hair growth cycles for each type of hair so you've babies are born with something called like lanugo which is this like the little tiny little soft baby hairs that and they're kind of it's all over their whole body and eventually that will like fall out and then you've got vellus hair um which is you know like it's very similar you know it's, yeah it's, it's, i mean i call vellus hairs baby hairs <laughs> yeah it's your little babies right yeah, yeah. um this is one of those moments where my brain has decided to let go of everything that I know. And so I'm no longer going to use scientific terminology because I would have to look it up, but your, your hair so you've got terminal hair, right? So your eyebrows and your eyelashes or your terminal hairs, they stop growing at a certain length and then they fall out and their life cycle is a lot shorter. So then you've got your hair that grows on your head, which is different than everywhere else. Um, so your terminal hairs are like pubic hair, armpit hair, leg hair, um, eyebrows and eyelashes. Uh, your beard tends to have like a coarser texture of hair if you have a beard. Um, but some people have really soft beard hair and, you know, it, but it really just varies. Now the hair on your head, the life cycle varies based off of your genetics. So uh, generally speaking, if you're of um, like African descent, you're going to have a hair growth cycle of about six to eight years. Um, if you're of Asian descent, it's more like six to 10 years. And if you're of like European descent, then it, you're looking at a hair growth cycle of somewhere around like 
six to eight years. So your hair will grow for that amount of time. And there's three different growth. There's a growth cycle with three different stages. So you have your first stage, which is where your hair like starts growing and it grows and grows and grows. And whatever your like genetic makeup has predetermined, uh, it will grow for that long and then it goes into a like latent stage so basically it just kind of hangs out there for a while and then the hair will die and then it will fall out so you your cycle depends on like your hormones and your genetics um now everybody's going to be different in some way but on average hair grows about a quarter inch a month um what has been discovered is your hair will grow faster um particularly like secondary sex characteristic hair so your beard your armpit hair your pubic hair and your leg hair will grow faster if it is um if you're more likely to have uh some form of sexual relation <laughs> so it, it's like a hormone stimulation it actually makes your hair grow a little bit faster I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's why my hair grows so slowly. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, I've been in those stages before. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're not really sure why exactly. It's just probably a surge of hormones that like create more hair growth. Now, mm. uh, that leads me into like talking about like hormones like DHT um dht is yeah that's our next question is what is dht and how does it affect hair so dht is uh the dihydrotestosterone so it is a uh androgen androgen sex steroid essentially and this basically um is a hormone that builds up in your body um and if you have a higher level of testosterone, um, you are more likely to experience uh, hair loss from DHT, uh, basically like causing inflammation. Um, so that's where you get male pattern baldness, or is what they call it. I hate that term because not only male people have male pattern baldness, but um, essentially. DHT is from like your it's stimulated by your seminal vesicles, your prostate gland, your your skin, your liver, your brain. There's so many things that like kind of go into that. Um there are to my understanding DHT blockers that can help um with hair loss. So you're thinking about things like finasteride um which is a hair regrowth pill that you can take the issue with finasteride is it can cause uh, erectile dysfunction so um if you have high levels of dht and also are genetically predisposed to lose your hair then you're kind of in like the sol situation of like you're probably going to lose your hair and unless you start a cycle of medication before that happens, it's really hard to get it back. Um, now there's this new, um, 
off-label use that has been um, kind of sweeping the the nation <laughs> for minoxidil, which you can use t- topically um, as a like hair regrowth or hair loss inhibitor. Um, so it will it in some instances will help your hair regrow uh, because minoxidil is a vasodilator, and a vasodilator is going to open up the like. Uh, blood vessels around your hair follicles and basically helps clear out DHT um, because Mm. DHT closes off those blood vessels and that's what causes hair loss to the scalp is it's like signaling to your scalp to like no I don't need to make that anymore it tightens everything up it causes inflammation and then the hair falls out Um, minoxidil will do the opposite now topically minoxidil does that and you it will prevent your hair from falling out. There's little evidence to suggest that it's actually going to help your hair grow back. Um, There are some products that claim that that is the case. If you use it in higher doses, the, once the hair follicle has died, it has pretty much died. Um, There's not a whole lot that you can do to re-stimulate that growth, except getting hair transplants. which is not re-stimulating growth. It's just taking a hair from here, putting it up here, wherever you want more hair. Um, But an oral dose of minoxidil can actually increase hair growth and help you regrow your hair. I've seen it. uh, I've seen I have a client who takes it and has just started taking it a few months ago. And usually it, it takes about a couple months to be able to see results with minoxidil in general. But um, I have definitely noticed this person has hair that wasn't there before growing back around their hairline. And it's really... Is it me? Am I that client? Because it might be me. Because <laughs> it might be me. Uh, your hair growth this is, is amazing. This is, this is the secret to how fluffy my beard is, everybody. Oh. Minoxidil. This is it. Yeah. Because yeah. I, was, I was losing hair right here in the very front of my mohawk. And I was like... I hate it. I hate it so much because my my little mohawk is my favorite part of my hair. This little point right here. It's very gender for me. And so Mm. I was just like grieving my hair. I was like, am I losing it, Debbie? And Debbie's like, I think you are. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) And it was a total revelation when you were like, you can take it orally. And I was like, rolling. So I asked my doctor about it. And it's like, I think it's a glaucoma treatment usually. Is that right? Yes, it used. Yeah. It was like discovered as a, a compound in a glaucoma treatment, and mm. they realized that the people who were taking this treatment had hair growth mm-hmm. everywhere. So it doesn't yeah. just cause it on your head; it right. can cause it on your body as well, and um, anywhere that you would grow hair, um, yeah. which is good for some people and not good for other people. Yeah. Um. I think a so lot those of those going the slow werewolf hormones. path. Yeah, because yeah. like I use minoxidil topically yeah. on my head, and uh-huh. I don't think I would want to do the oral route because I I, I don't want hair anywhere else. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things where like I'm not sure if mm. that it's determined specifically by your hormones. So mm. if you're on hormone replacement therapy, it's possible that because you have um 
changed your hormone structure that it won't cause your hair to grow other places. But I would talk to a doctor about that yeah, um, yeah, and see what that option would be. Whereas like finasteride would not cause that. But mm -hmm. if you want to be able to have an erection, because it, it doesn't happen to everybody where they mm -hmm. lose the ability, but it is permanent. If that does happen with finasteride, it can mm -hmm. be permanent. So uh, I would be really, I personally would be hesitant to take that for me if I had a penis and wanted to continue to use my penis. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, it's, it's definitely one of those things. Like I, I know people who like, the, you know, they're trans mask who have taken finasteride. They're like, it doesn't matter to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, it really depends on what your goals are and what mm -hmm. your priorities are like, mm -hmm. and what your sexuality is like you might be asexual and it wouldn't matter to you uh, in most cases like you know it's it's very like there's a variability but the yeah. fact that it, it, they've started realizing that this is a thing that could help like trans mask people like at least get their hair back and get more hair growth um and feel you know more masculine that's awesome um, I want them to have more options for mm -hmm. trans femme folks who have hair loss or have experienced that. And, and I've seen some people when they uh, get the right balance of hormones, mm -hmm. grow hair back, which is amazing. Um, yeah. But it's really a matter of like talking to your doctor, like, hey, yeah. like, I, it's likely... So like if you have PCOS, it causes like a higher um, level of androgens, so more testosterone, and you can have hair loss like that, um, mm. like male pattern baldness. I hate it. They need a better term for that. But um, <clears throat> it can cause that if you have PCOS, and it also causes like extraneous facial hair growth and body hair growth. And, you know, it's very likely in my experience that I have that, but for me, it's like a little bit of gender euphoria that I have to shave my mustache. So I'm like, eh. I mean, I would love to treat that for other reasons, but like, I mean, I suppose I could continue to shave my mustache. It probably won't go away because generally speaking, um, when you take testosterone any, or you have a higher level of testosterone, any changes that happen in your body are more permanent. Like they'd stay that way. Mm -hmm. um and in in a lot of cases especially yeah. body hair and like your with your voice so yeah 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 that's uh oh boy that's something that trans femmes are are very jealous of the trans masks <laughs> on that front because it's yeah. like um uh, i mean not that people who are trans ma uh, masks don't have to do any sort of uh voice training but i mean you do you do get the deeper voice uh, from from being on testosterone and that's not something that's reversed like once the vocal cords thicken they're thickened yep so yeah. going the other way like you know get my voice to sound like this i had to do several months of speech therapy so <laughs> mm -hmm. well speech therapy and also like i know there I'm, well i don't know i i'm pretty sure there's a surgical procedure that you can do there is for yeah. vocal feminization but like that feels really risky i'm a person who likes to sing and i would yeah. be like i don't want to do that 
yeah, you know, like, I mean, you can you can do a vocal cord shave. That is that is a thing that uh, some people opt for. Um, but yeah, it, it can come with complications. Um, I'm wondering, Debbie. So you had mentioned that finasteride, and we're just going to reiterate, Debbie's not a doctor. Audience, yeah, I'm not a doctor. Um, but if if someone were to take finasteride who is maybe trans femme, mm -hmm. does that impact like arousal or like you know if if that trans femme person has had bottom surgery, like is the clit still able to get excited and have sensation? Is it just like, like, I, like, I guess I don't know what the difference between erectile dysfunction and like mm -hmm. more like post-op trans femme bottom surgery, excitey yeah. feel, feely feels are, I don't know. Maybe yeah. you have no idea, but I just, that's, I have a curiosity about that. So mm. my understanding is it doesn't diminish any feeling, but it does diminish your ability to maintain an erection. So I think a lot of that has to do with like vasoconstriction issues. Mm -hmm. Again, like because minoxidil and finasteride are both based on vasoconstriction. So they like they're vasodilators. Um, my guess is that it's like a permanent like vasodilation where you, the, the whole mechanic behind maintaining an erection is vasoconstriction. And I think it mm. just allow the tissue to be able to do that and then yeah. basically it like unlearns it your body unlearns it and it can't get it back um mm. and i'm not sure why i don't yeah. know that it causes any issues with um arousal like in mm -hmm. the like physical feeling sense in the uh ability to like have an orgasm sense but it mm. could cause issues um with just maintaining an erection now there are also surgeries to help with that i've mm -hmm. known somebody who's gotten uh, an implant for that and basically it's just yeah. like air air pump or like fluid pump oh, um mm -hmm. so you can like pump it up <laughs> and i just i would imagine like every Those time my shoes. partner if my partner needed that i would just like pump pump it up pump it down you know like every time i wouldn't be able to help it like it would oh be great <laughs> it would be jock jams every time oh um, i had yeah. a pair of those like pump shoes as a kid exactly yes uh you know and it, it that's the mechanism that they use for that implant is just like you know there's like a little a little pumper um and you have to squeeze it um and <laughs> but it helps you know yeah. especially like that's a thing that can happen naturally with age anyway so um yeah yeah while i'm not a doctor i do understand sexuality from a um academic standpoint because yeah. of so um that is my understanding uh there may have maybe changes and it may vary from person to person because i mean like even adderall can cause um erectile dysfunction and uh, ability to orgasm so can antidepressants yeah. so uh, oh, yeah. a lot of things can change that and it is always a conversation you should have with your doctor and never mm -hmm. listen to the uh the the barber with a gender studies degree uh yeah. exactly what you should do it is always between you and your doctor yeah yeah y'all yeah. <laughs> i could just talk with debbie and branda endlessly <laughs> <So fun. laughs>
Um, okay, so we have some some myths. We have some hair myths. Um, our first question is: Is it possible to train one's hair? Is it like a Pokemon? <laughs> Generally speaking, the answer to that is no. Everybody's like, "But I've done it before." No, you haven't. Um, <clears throat> the only way that you could train your hair is basically by damaging the hydrogen bonds in your hair. Um, you now, when your hair uh, it gets wet or it gets hot or it gets chemicals put on it like perm solution um ammonium thigloxate specifically or um i can't remember what the active ingredient is in a hair relaxer but it basically it breaks those now chemicals will not allow those hydrogen bonds to reform um and this is the sciencey nerdy part of hair uh it will only reform some of them and only in the way that you tell it to. So that's why you have to do a neutralizing solution with both a perm and a relaxer. It neutralizes it in the direction that you want it to go. So if you neutralize hair after you've taken perm rods out, it will loosen your curls. Um, now with heat and so if there's like one other way, so heat uh, and water, but also tension. Um, they will reform differently. So when you get your hair wet and then your hair dries, during the drying process, those hydrogen bonds reform. So that's why if you dry your hair, so if you put your hair off to the side like this and let your hair dry like that, and then you try to move it, it gets like, more volume or it will go back to where you put it that's because the hydrogen bonds in your hair have been told during the drying process that's where they should go now they're weaker when you 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 curl them with like a curling iron so heat um heat causes them to break cooling down causes them to reform and so whenever you curl your hair you're breaking those bonds and then they reform when it cools down. So if you pull on your hair or brush your hair while your hair is cooling down, it will like make your hair less curly. Um, same thing goes for straightening your hair. If you straighten your hair while, you know, and then like kind of mess it up with heat, like if you scrunched it like this after you straightened it, it's not going to be as straight as if you made sure it stayed smooth while it curled, like it cooled down. So um the other thing that utilizes you know um the hydrogen bonds is tension so when you're using tension on your hair during the process of curling with heat or reforming you know after like going from wet to dry um tension will actually like stretch out where those like bonds would be and make them more likely to reform that way. Now, the only time that I've seen somebody's hair get quote unquote trained is when they wear their hair up in a tight ponytail and always put it up when it's wet. Now, the reason for that is that the hair about a quarter inch from your scalp is still really soft. Mm. That hair has not had time to completely fully care to it. And the keratinization process is what like makes your hair get harder as it ages. So 
when it's first coming out of your head, it's really, really soft. And that's why when you get hair color and you use like a permanent color, say like you've colored your hair red and you get that like halo of bright red around your head. And then the rest of it is a darker red. That's what we call hot roots. But um, basically it's that hair is softer there. So you needed to put a different formula of hair color just at the roots. Um, and usually that formula has less hydrogen peroxide. But the same thing goes, if you put your hair up in a really tight ponytail the same way every day, and then you go in for a haircut after wearing it like that every day from wet to dry, I, the, I that's the only time that I've seen a lasting, quote unquote, training in somebody's hair. So mm. that's why you don't ever want to braid your hair when it's wet or put your hair in a ponytail when it's wet. It actually mm. weakens the bonds in the hair to put that mm. kind of tension on it. And that's where we get things like traction alopecia from. So alopecia is the word that defines hair loss. Um, mm. And traction alopecia is from tension. So if you wear your hair in braids, like really tight braids all the time, it will pull your hair out of your head. and that causes your hair to fall out mm. um and you get bald spots from that you can get bald spots um if you're doing it incorrectly and if it's too heavy so if you're putting too heavy of extensions in your hair um or you're putting in extensions in incorrectly you will get traction alopecia and that just pulls your hair out and it can become a permanent hair loss if it damages the the follicle enough mm -hmm. so hair loss from damage becomes permanent when it basically like scars the the tissue that is creating the hair so mm. that's why like my eyebrows are gonna be 2000s skinny forever uh because i wax my eyebrows every three weeks for 10 years and then they just never grew back one day um and there's like a few hairs, but not enough to make an eyebrow. Uh, so you just have to be really careful about like how frequently you damage your hair. So mm -hmm. like if you have um, uh, trichotillomania it is a mm -hmm. um, mental health disorder where you pull your hair out and you like pull it out obsessively. And um, essentially like you can just damage your follicle to the point where it just never grows back. Um, that damage can also happen with chemical burns, um, where you just, like, you put, like, uh, hair color, like, on your scalp, and it burns your scalp because the formula is incorrect, or you have, like, a sun in, in your hair, and it has a chemical reaction, it can burn your scalp, and that hair will never grow back. You'll have, like, a very smooth bald spot, because uh, it just damages the follicle. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, you have to be really careful. But no, you can't train your hair is the short answer. Like, you really you can't. It's it's a matter of styling, whether you style it wet to dry or with heat or both. Um, it will heat and, you know, tension and all that stuff does damage your hair as it gets harder. So you can think of this as like brittle old bones and this is like baby bones and baby bones are bouncy and soft and brittle old folks bones are not and they break more so the the longer bits of hair they're more likely to get damaged 
Um, I did want to return to, uh, we were talking about minoxidil and products yes. to grow your hair. And one thing that I forgot to mention is nature's minoxidil, which is rosemary. Um, rosemary has a chemical compound in it that can do exactly the same thing that minoxidil does. So if you can't afford minoxidil and or you're allergic to anything in minoxidil and you love the smell of rosemary have i got the thing for you mm. um boiling water distilled water only um and then put rosemary preferably fresh rosemary sprigs into the water boil them and then strain all the rosemary out and you can put it in a spray bottle and spray it on your head and it works exactly the same as minoxidil without any extra chemicals uh and then you smell like a delicious pastry so oh that's yeah wonderful. and are you aiming for the roots or just anywhere on your you head can like, actually just, like, put it everywhere it, like, so you want to you want to get it on the roots and rub it in but if you yeah. pull it through your hair it strengthens your hair and also will help your hair it's a vasodilator as well um yeah. disclaimer if you have heart issues any heart problems you should definitely talk to your doctor before using any minoxidil any finasteride or even rosemary because vasodilation and heart problems uh, can be um not good together mm. yeah. uh, anyway so i did want to circle back to some other hair care stuff because yeah. this is something that like i'm very personally curious about is like mm -hmm. like what's the best way to like dry your hair <laughs> so i get out of the shower if yeah. i don't have anywhere to go i will just leave i'll just like air dry it i'll just like yeah. leave my hair wet and mm -hmm. i'll just let it dry on its own and i won't do anything to it but if i have somewhere i gotta be you know i'll just towel dry it mm -hmm. and i'll just it'll still be damp um yeah and i don't use a blow dryer i don't use any heat and mm -hmm. you know um so is that is that a good approach is there a better approach what well, you have curly hair <laughs> I have very so curly hair. It's going to yeah. differ based off of your curl pattern. Mm. So um, if you have curly hair, you can either do the plop method. You can like spiral. There's a lot of different ways that you can like twist your hair to make the curls more pronounced. Mm. Plop method, basically, like you put some stuff in your hair, you scrunch it, and then you let it air dry. Um, or you put it into a like t-shirt. A t-shirt is actually going to be better for curls to dry your hair with than a towel because oh. it's abrasive and it's not going to cause as much frizz. So put it into a t-shirt or a bonnet um, upside down, put it over your head and then just let it dry against your head. You'll have way curlier curls. You'll get a little floof. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'll get a little floofy fro situation. Um, depending on how tight your curls are, of course. Um, but uh, that is the best way to dry your hair is letting it air dry. Now, when you're air drying your hair, the tension of just the weight of water on your hair will make it flat. Um, so doing what you can to uh, when I'm letting my hair air dry, which I, is what I normally do because I color my hair and it is damaged and I mm -hmm. use heat on it when I curl it sometimes. Um, I move my, the roots of my hair away from my head a lot. So I end up running my fingers through my hair and like 
lifting it off my scalp until at least my roots have dried out because hair will only come out of your hair like or water will only come out of your hair one way which is in the direction of gravity from the roots to the ends so Mm -hmm. if you just want like to have some volume and you don't have a lot of time and you want to blow dry your hair hit the roots and only the roots and you'll at least have a little volume if you don't want any volume just let it air dry but always let it dry in the place that you want it to stay so if you have super wet hair and um you make it all messy and then you just let it air dry like that it's gonna stay messy especially with short hair um but however your hair is positioned when it goes from wet to dry is how it's gonna stay which is why like you would see a long time ago vintage hair a lot of times like or like old ladies with the little fluffy cloud hair, which I love, um, would do roller sets. So they would put their hair on curlers and let it dry like that. It will stay that way a lot longer. And uh, it can last like up to a week as long as you don't get it wet. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so there is one very uh, pervasive, pernicious myth that uh, I, I refer to this as mm-hmm. more of like a, you know, a grandma story. <laughs> so I already know the answer to this, but yeah, does hair grow back thicker or darker after shaving it? No. Um, <laughs> Correct. Thank you on the game show. <laughs> yeah, it does not. Um, the reason we... That has become a colloquial, like, old wives' tale, uh, is that, generally speaking, people start shaving during puberty. And what Mm. happens during puberty? You start getting darker and darker hair. It feels thicker when it grows back because it's a blunt end versus a, like, soft, like, pointed end. Like, hair naturally, when it grows out uh, at the very beginning of the growth cycle, is, like, conical at the end so it's got a little like point um whereas when you cut it bluntly it's it has a sharper edge and so and when it's strong because you know there's no bend to it when it's like first growing out of your face or your armpit or your leg or any other place that you shave your hair off it feels a lot more abrasive Mm -hmm. and like sandpapery because of that but generally speaking like you know, because of social standards, people would start the shaving process when they were in puberty, when it starts being like, oh, you're getting those unsightly hairs, you better shave them. Uh, And then, of course, it grows back thicker and darker, because that's what's happening naturally, because of your hormones, and just puberty. Um, No, it does not. But interestingly enough, uh, when you age, you lose some or if not all of that hair again so eventually that growth cycle stops your body can't expend the energy to create that hair anymore it will first start going gray in the pubic armpit and anywhere else regions and then it can fall out um beards less likely but like um armpits and legs and pubic hair will uh sometimes go away and nobody tells you that. So I'm here to tell you that one day you might lose that hair again. Uh, 
and eyebrows can like get thinner and finer as well. Um, my dad is a perfect example. I think he has six eyebrow hairs left on each eyebrow. Oh, see, I've seen the opposite. Reason. I've seen a lot of like older men with like super bushy eyebrows. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was like, my guy, trim mm. that, trim it. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. It's so funny. Like I, that's the thing that I just ask people if they want me to do. But I, nobody told me that my eyebrows were going to get that way. When I was a kid, I thought that people were just born with eyebrows like that. And so, like, you know, they're, they're just wily, right? Woo! Like, they're just out of control. So um, when your eyebrows are extra long, you can just trim them. Um, I recommend not using a fuzzy trimmer, but use, like, a spoolie, which is the little, like... I at mascara wand, mm. it's called a spoolie and, um, use a spoolie and little baby scissors, you know, uh, and just push them up with a spoolie and just trim the ends off and you're good to go. Or you can ask your hairstylist or your barber to do that for you. Or you can go to a place that does eyebrows and you can do them yourself. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the other the other reason that this myth is really pervasive is mm -hmm. uh is like if you, so if you're shaving off like hair that you know you've had for a long time yeah it, you know it's been there for years and years it's been sun bleached yeah so it appears lighter so when you shave it it grows back in and it's the, it's original color so yeah. That, yeah that can be the case um mm. if you have more uh photosensitive hair so you're more likely to have hair bleaching happen with the sun, then that can be true. Generally speaking, with many of the regions that have, some people don't have dark hair that grows in, but it feels like it grows in thicker. Mm -hmm. um, it can, you know, it can feel that way. Mm -hmm. But it also depends on like how much you're exposed to the sun and how sensitive you are to sun bleaching. So that's yeah, like, true. Uh, and how often you do that um because a lot of people think that like that hair just stays there and doesn't fall out but all of your body hair falls out and yeah. goes through cycles so that can be true especially if you're in an especially sunny area but not always um do you have any tips for styling or cutting head hair to appear either more masculine or more feminine Ooh. Um, shape. So shape has a lot to do with what people perceive as masculine or feminine. So generally speaking, a rounder, soft, like anything you would consider soft. So think like stuffed animals. They're all kind of round shapes. They're very feminine, um, it, according to our society standards excuse me um whereas like something that's more square rectangular angular like a uh, triangle is going to be considered more quote-unquote masculine so um if you are kind of somewhere in the middle of those things really highly textured hair looks really good it tends to um soften a look or make it look um more playful so if you are like non-binary, for instance, and you want like a really short haircut, but you don't want it to look super masculine, doing something where the ends of the hair are like, there's lots of peaks and valleys. 
So it just has like a lot of movement uh, is going to be a little bit more like androgynous. Um, if you're like, say a gay man and you want to look a little bit more like, and you know, like you want to show that you're a little bit less masculine, say you could do the same thing. Um, a lot of people would say that was like Metro, you know, back in the day. <laughs> Um, whereas like, so if your hair is longer when you have those soft edges, um, or like really highly textured, there's a lot of like, the ends aren't super blunt, you're going to feel more feminine. So, um, but if you have like short hair that has angles, so like if you have a, say like a really short cropped haircut like a number one which is like an eighth of an inch on the sides of your hair but you're feminine they think like pink right um it's a good example if you did like pointed sideburns instead of a blunt sideburn that's going to appear more feminine um versus like a hard part with a comb over is going to appear more masculine so you, you look at fashion throughout time and you can kind of see the same types of trends. There's a lot more circles, right? Like, so curls and stuff like that um, in like uh, classic hairstyles, like uh, specifically like S-waves on uh, in 1920s or victory rolls in the 1940s and 50s um beehives like all of those mm. things are not angular right so the more angular your hair is the more masculine it will appear and the more like circular your hair is the more femme it will appear um and you can mix those elements to get something that's really androgynous so if you have like curly hair and you did like a really close cropped like blunted sideburns um fade in the back but then you had like a moppy top with like lots of curls that can be really androgynous um and it it really just depends on like how you present the rest of your style as well because if you're rocking like you know a buzzed head and sundresses that's really androgynous so how do mm. you match or like pattern mix essentially your hair to the clothing that you wear yeah. so like, I wear a lot of really masculine clothing with kind of femme hair and that reads as really queer mm -hmm. um, I was just thinking of um so my, mm -hmm. the manager at my gym has a buzz cut yeah uh, and she's and she's a woman uh or at least she you know presents female yeah um, but like she has a buzz cut, but like mm -hmm. also has like, you know, earrings and wears makeup and like, yeah. you know, is wearing like women's workout clothes. So it's like, yes. even though she has like, you know, quote unquote, a male's haircut, like she right. still, she still has a lot of femme energy to her. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And think of like Sinead O'Connor. It feels, it feels more mm -hmm. powerful. That's like a powerful statement to me. Yeah. Right. So yeah. she's also a power lifter, so she ain't nobody to mess with. <laughs> Yay! I used to power lift <laughs> until my connective tissue told me otherwise. But uh, yeah, that is it. It's a huge. It's, it's all about power move, right? Like if you are a super masculine, like cishet male, say, 
and you grew out these long, beautiful, flowing locks. Like mm. um, Fabio. I don't. Youngsters may not know. Oh, who I know Fabio. <laughs> but like super masculine. But that beautiful fem fem yeah, presenting yeah. hair softened that masculinity a lot. I'm and sure there are hundreds, if not thousands, of women who are jealous of his hair. <laughs> I'm certainly jealous of his hair. I'm jealous. <laughs> But that, you know, that was one of those things where I realized for myself, like, I, I was like, I wish that I could have long hair and also look queer. And then I was like, I can. Of course you can. <laughs> of course. myself more. And it's all about creating an entire look with what you're doing. Um, because when I wear my hair in, like, a messy bun and wear my super masculine clothes, like, I look more like a dude that just doesn't care. Whereas it's like, if I wear my hair curly and pretty when I'm also wearing those clothes, it's like, oh, hmm. Mm. You know, so it, people like question me more, which is kind of, mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> so can you share some tips for folks who are perhaps on HRT or not, who may want to minimize or reverse hair loss or for those who are wanting to present feminine and are currently experiencing hair loss? Um. Yes. So of course there's a lot of like hair natural hair alternatives like extensions or wigs or hair pieces or really cool scarves or hats if you want don't want people to see that you're experiencing hair loss because that can be really hard for people. Um the other thing is like, make sure that you're styling it properly using the right products. So something for like thinning hair when you're in just in general is using products that are more of a matte finish versus a glossy finish because a glossy finish will clump your hair together and it'll expose more scalp versus um, using a matte finish product or not putting any shine in your hair. Um, the way that you style it is going to be really important. So if you do like more of like a heavy bang, that will kind of cover a lot of that. Um, it really depends on where your hair loss is occurring because some people have hair loss that's occurring on the crown. Some people have more of like a receding hairline and other people have like the full recession on the top. And I would encourage you to talk to a hairstylist about what your best options are if you're not wanting to cut your hair and also like look at the alternatives like using rosemary water um and uh being patient with yourself and loving yourself through the process because that's what it is is a process and the more confident you are on the outside of course like the more uh happy you will be and the more people will like look at you and be like that's a beautiful human right and hair is well really a big deal in our society like not is not it doesn't make you a better or worse person so just being really gentle with you that's the best advice that I can give is using the right products and being really gentle with yourself don't be too judgmental yeah, it's yeah. not great advice unless I can meet you or see you in person and give you some better advice that it's really hard for me to answer that on like a overarching yeah on a global 
Yeah. Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, mm -hmm. Are there certain hair products or styling tools that you would especially recommend for folks? Um, sea salt spray is really great. Uh, it gives a lot of like grit to people's hair. You can actually make that yourself with just some water and uh, you could use literally just sea salt and water. There's a recipe that you can look up really easily online. Um, if you just say homemade sea salt spray for hair, you're going to be able to like find that. It's going to be a little bit more drying, so you're going to want to use a good conditioner, but it will give you some like really nice texture. Like the mm -hmm. more you use, the more beachy texture you're going to have, mm -hmm. but it is a fantastic, uh, easy to make, easy product. Um, for basically, and is a matte finish, so it, it's great mm -hmm. for all different types of hair. Um, I would avoid using it as much as possible on bleached hair. So, like if you get your hair lightened, just because it'll dry it out a lot. But you can mm -hmm. add a couple drops of like an oil, like a jojoba oil, to it, and with an emulsifying agent like sunflower oil or sunflower um, lecithin, and that will emulsify the oil in the product and it will put that on your hair and it'll make it a little bit softer. Yeah. That's awesome. My favorite. Um, so for folks who made it this far into the episode and are like, oh my gosh, I've not yet had enough Devi. How can <laughs> I get more Devi? There's people who are maybe interested in a one-on-one -on -one virtual consultation with you about hair things. Um, are you open to that? And if so, how should people reach out to you and try to connect about that? Yeah, I am absolutely open to that. Um, you can reach out to me actually through my website. Um, so there is a contact card that you can fill out at www.thestoneandsteelbarbershop.com. Um, and basically just put in there that you saw or heard the genderful podcast and you, you would like to have a consultation with me if you're not in the olympia area so olympia washington is where i live um then i would just say that you would like to do zoom um and you know i would be happy to do some sort of consultation uh you know case by case basis like for payment you know if it's a donate what you can. Uh, generally speaking, if I'm going to spend an hour uh, with you, an hour of time for me is usually about $140. So I can do kind of sliding scale. Um, usually, generally speaking, I'm not going to have to spend an hour with somebody just doing a consultation. So I, I would base that off of time. And it's just, you know, 15 minute increments. Uh, but I would be available to do that on a schedule basis. And you can just reach out to me on my website where it says contact us. I love that. It's so yeah. great. Awesome. I'm happy to do that. I'm always looking to help people as, as, yeah. as many as I can. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if I was in Olympia, if I was in Olympia, I'd be, I'd be coming by your shop. So <laughs> and if there's, if there's I'm a little far away though. <laughs> a little bit of a trip. If there are folks whose currency is not as strong as the American dollar, mm -hmm. um, are you, I'm guessing the sliding scale would apply in those places too. Yeah. 
I honestly, for me, it's, it's all about like, okay, like how extensive are you wanting to go? And do I have any information on products in your area? It's unlikely that I'm going to be able to find something that's better for you, but I would be happy to do a little bit of looking online and see if I could find a shop near you that might be able to help you. Uh, mm -hmm. You could also look on the strands for trans website. Um, which is amazing. They have all of the different uh, hairstylists and barbershops that are uh, trans friendly. Uh, and then everywhere is queer as well as a map of all of the queer businesses. If they've signed up for it, um, I'm on both of those sites. They're both amazing. And um, somebody will be able to help you. I, and if you're struggling finding somebody, you're more than welcome to reach out. And I would be happy to uh, try to help you find somebody. Awesome. Miranda, I'll let, I'll let you ask some questions now. I got excited. All right. <laughs> hey, that's all right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get into our concluding questions. Uh, first of all, is there anything that we missed about trans hair that you'd like to make sure you say? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I, I guess for me, it's like the hair doesn't make the person. Like it, it's definitely something that people feel really strongly connected to is their hair. Mm -hmm. Um, but make sure that you focus on your overall health before anything else, because your overall health is really going to be the thing that affects how your hair grows and try to find a doctor that's going to be understanding of the fact that your hair is really important to you, uh, if it is. And if it's not, then congratulations, <laughs> you won the lottery of like not really caring that much about your hair. Um, specifically make sure that you talk to your doctor about how hormones could affect you. Um, if you're not yet on HRT or even if you have started and you're not like sure, or you're nervous, don't be afraid to ask your doctor questions about that kind of stuff. Cause they're going to know a lot more than I would about what those effects could be. And specifically for you and your like hormonal makeup because every person is so different and so individual like biologically speaking that you really need to get a lot of really good information from your doctor um because even if you're not on hormones uh your hormones could be completely like wonky and that could be causing your hair loss or you could have some serious health problems that are causing your hair to be brittle or fall out. I've had that happen to me before. Mm -hmm. So, and, and you know, that for me was like the biggest red flag was like my hair was falling out. I've always had the thickest, healthiest hair and it was becoming brittle and falling out. And I needed to focus on my health. And part of that was focused on my mental health. So just make sure that you're taking care of you uh, emotionally because sometimes you think you know what you want when it comes to your hair and want to get it. It wasn't exactly what you thought it would be on you. So really be gentle with yourself about it because it's going to change over time, no matter what, because all of our hormones change as we age. So as soon as you realize you love something, it might go away. And we, we just have to remember that everything is fleeting and yeah. you are more important than any other aspect. 
And you yeah. is the you on the inside. Like, love yourself. Oh, I love that so much. That's such good advice. It's, uh, and, I, and I know from personal experience, it can be really hard to, to do all that. So, um, but yeah, do your best. Um, Absolutely. Uh, this is my favorite question that I like to ask all of our guests mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, in this current political climate that we're living in, unfortunately, a lot of our stories are framed around our, our pain and our trauma, but mm -hmm. uh, I think it's far more important to share our stories of joy. Um, can you share an experience that you've had with gender euphoria? <laughs> my own personal experience or that I've given to somebody else? Either. I mean, or both. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay. I, I'm here for, I'm here for, I'm here for it all. <laughs> well, I mean, gender euphoria for me is like a really good hair day with a cute hat and a cute outfit and like having like my partner be like, damn, you look good. And it's not because I look good, but it's because I feel good. And you can tell the difference, right? Yeah. Because they, they look at you and they're like, oh, wow. Wow. They see your energy. Um, mm -hmm. But my one of my favorite stories from giving somebody else gender euphoria, um, I have a little, a little human that comes to see me and it's a, a friend's kid. And he came up as trans to his parents and i think he's like seven um and i got to give him his first boy haircut Aww. and he i'd never seen him smile like that before Aww. and he was like oh there i am <laughs> i like lost it i lost it i was like it's so beautiful and the Aww. fact like we have the ability to give that to our kids. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just a haircut, but it meant everything to him. And we put like a little star on the side. And it was like, if we could start that early, if we could, if, we, if all of us could have started oh that early with parents that loved us for who we were, instead of telling us how to be and yes. like gave us the words and the information and the understanding to like let us explore that what a better world this would be yeah you know I and for not agree with that statement anymore like it's not about mm -hmm. the hormones or anything it's about the love you know mm -hmm. and gosh like seeing that kind of love in in parents and giving that to their kids is like the best feeling because it's me healing my inner child and helping mm. heal everybody else's inner child and like uh, being able to be a space that allows that at a, such a young age is just like yeah. uh it's so heartwarming it really is so that was definitely one of my favorites yay I love that so our, our final question for you today, Debbie, mm -hmm. is what would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary, trans, and or gender diverse issues? I mean, I wish that we didn't have to have issues, right? I wish mm -hmm. that we didn't have to even say that we have issues. I wish that we could just exist. And my advice would be to like, go out and create the world that you want to see. Because I 
didn't realize that I could have so much joy in my life until I did what I did for other people, you know, and then it came back to me as joy. And um, my perspective is that like, this stuff is so important. It's so important to like, understand yourself. And um, that everybody should know they always have support. Like if they need to reach out to me and just talk, that's fine too. I'm happy to do that um, about anything. I've had people tell me everything. There's like this unspoken confidentiality agreement <laughs> with mm. me and my clients, uh, at least uh, anonymity, right? And that no matter how alone you feel, and this helped me so much, is that like, no matter how alone you feel, somebody else has experienced something almost exactly like you. It may not be in the same order and it may not be with the same context, but you're not alone in the way that you felt things because we're all humans, which means we're all the same and love people instead of building hate. Um, because like, to be queer is to like show love when maybe when somebody doesn't even deserve it to me anyway. And arguing is somebody is never going to change their mind, but educating people, which is what I love doing is really the thing that's going to like make progress. And it, it, no matter how exhausting it seems at the time, like, you know, what I do, what I do is hair, but what I do is not just hair. It's education. It's listening. It's understanding. It's more than just making people feel like they look good. It's making people feel good. And mm -hmm. the happier and healthier people are, the like better we'll be. So. Yeah. This whole time I've been thinking about like, how much you have in common with bartenders <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i am basically Bars in the beginning of the name <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly uh <laughs> there there is so much that we have in common with the bartender but uh, generally speaking everybody that sits in my chair is sober <laughs> at least for mm -hmm. you know a little while you and find a way to combine <laughs> the two businesses <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's a uh, potential work in progress. My partner and I are planning on maybe combining those, but having a huge array of non-alcoholic options because mm, yeah, uh, who wants to go to a bar and just like not have good drinks if you're sober? Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sober and I want to go to a bar just for like the, the fun and the... Yeah talking uh and yeah. the community but it's just so hard to do yeah now there is what a really great place in olympia the west side has a huge selection of non-alcoholic beers and stuff which is mm. amazing but it's really hard to find a place like that and you know thinking outside yeah. the box of what normally <laughs> you know i think that's like the, the thing of the day it's like think outside the box what would you normally expect out of this? And like, let's turn that on its head and let's yeah. see here. Yeah, because like, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't really drink anymore. But back in my drinking days, I would have loved to go to a barber shop slash bar. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Bar Bar Bar. That's the name. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or just like I don't know. I just like any any chill activity. Right. Just, oh, I just always let me have a beer. Just, just like when they let you have beer in 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 movie theaters. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Right. <laughs> well, I always made this joke that if I ever opened a bar that was also a barbershop, I would call it karaoke because it would have to be a karaoke bar. Oh, I'm in 100%. Let's go. I'm funding this. And it's like, you know, like barbershop quartet, you know, singing. So oh, my God. Yes. Like yes. Karaoke. Let's do it. I'm, I'm, I'm drafting up the bank loan. Let's go. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be silly and fun. And I sing the whole time in the chair anyway because stimming. Um, and so it's just like makes sense to me. But <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, um, thank you so much, Debbie, for being on the show today. You always bring so much creativity to every conversation we have. Um, <laughs> folks, clearly, we've not had enough Debbie yet, so please do consider reaching out via the Stone and Stool uh, Barbershop website to schedule some one-on-one -on -one time with Debbie. Um, in the meantime, y'all, Debbie is a master barber and has been doing hair for 16 years professionally. You can follow them at Devathan, at Frau Barbier and at the Stone and Steel Barbershop on Instagram. And all of that will be linked in the description on the YouTube video and in the podcast notes. Um, you can also visit their website at thestoneandsteelbarbershop.com. Here is this week's clouder query that you, our audience, can answer on our social media platforms. What are some ways your hair can give you gender euphoria? Next week's guest will be Lydia Isaac, they them pronouns, and we are discussing the Sappho flag that they created. Um, yeah, do, Miranda, do you have any community updates you want to make sure that we say before we roll along? Uh, I mean, I got nothing on my end. I'm actually taking, um, I'm taking a hiatus from, from Twitch at the moment, just because uh, with my, with my like new work schedule, um, I just like don't have the time or energy or spoons to stream anymore. Yeah. Um, but I'm still uploading regular content on my YouTube channel. In fact, I just dropped a new Baldur's Gate 3 video today. And, nice. um, and yeah, obviously still hosting the podcast. So uh, there's still plenty of me to go around. <laughs> That's good. Um, so the community updates I can think of is uh, Juice Tex and friends are planning a Brook mutual aid stream. I believe it's scheduled for Tuesday, October. Whatever the number is, uh, I think it's like ninth, tenth, Tuesday, October. I'm actually, 10th. I'm I'm making a video for that. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love that. Um, so and Brooke is seeing some some homelessness after being fired while recovering from I think a trans surgery. So that's a lot of BS. Um, mm. so please do consider supporting that. There's also it's Mutual Aid Tober, so the Disabled Content Creators Collective is doing all kinds of. Uh, mutual aid tober streams to um try to i think we're trying to build up a a year's worth of expenses for the stream team so then we can you know focus the rest of the year on supporting everyone else's stuff um and yeah i mean coming up in november we're gonna have trans day of remembrance stream and in december there's going to be a very special um very special trans holiday thing that gender federation and gender master are putting together um i need to start planning it <laughs> we have some <laughs> folks who are interested so there are there are some special events the next couple of months to keep your eyes open for um 
in the meantime, let's take a moment to thank all of our supporters on Patreon. Holly Blash, Winter Vespers, Loch Ness Gamer, Justin Baker Rojas, Sandra Mickelborg, Yaisio, Ray of Swords, Sherry Keller, Mirami, The Hessian, and Trans Capybara. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Trans rights or human rights. That's right. That's right. Please enjoy the outro. Jennifer would like to thank our guests for being on this podcast. If you'd like to catch us live, join us on Mondays on twitch.tv forward slash Jenner Meowster. Show notes will appear in the edited versions of the show on Fridays on both YouTube and podcasting platforms. If you have a question you'd like the host to answer or are gender diverse and would like to request an interview, please send an email to genderfulpodcast at gmail.com or sign up via the website at genderfulpodcast.com. As a gender diverse community, the Clouder wants to assure our listeners that we are prepared to moderate our spaces. We will get positive and negative feedback on these shows and topics. And we have a moderation team on our channels, socials, and Discord server ready to deal with this. Please join our Discord server at discord.gg forward slash meowster to meet the community and get a regular digest of solidarity resources. You can also support us with subscriptions on Patreon, following and reviewing us on your favorite podcasting platform, or engaging with our posts and content on social media at genderfulpod and at gendermeowster. You can take a few minutes to rate the show. We will post any five-star reviews on our socials, so get creative. Mention a special interest of your own, a project you're working on, or even say hi to your comfort person in your review. What power? This show is made possible by volunteers, tips, and subscriptions. Shout out to the folks helping us coordinate guests, edit the podcast, moderate the live chat, and post on our socials. Here's our artist credit. Jenniful is hosted by Miranda Katita and Jenner Meowster. Jenniful's pre-show is wrangled by Juice Tex. Jenniful's live stream is produced by Mirami. Jenniful is edited and mixed by Trans Griffin and Free Range Megs. Jenniful's promos and thumbnail graphic are designed by Trans Griffin. Jenniful's social media is managed by Keenzy. Jenniful's theme song is called Hope by Free Range Megs, also known as Soma. The current Gender Master logo was designed by Siptopia. Genderful is the intellectual property of Gender Master. All rights reserved. Trans, Trans rights, rights are human rights. rights. That's, That's right. right.